podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how you doing this fine Monday morning? I'm good. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to whatever week in September it is. I don't know. I was thought I could think of it quick and I couldn't, but uh, welcome wherever you are. Welcome. As yeah, we both take is... sips of coffee at the same time. Yeah, it is a Monday morning, hence the uh, the coffee sip pause you just heard there. But it is a Monday morning coming off of the first Sunday of the NFL season. And it was a crazy NFL Sunday. Obviously, what we are going to spend some time talking about right now is the 49ers did play the Chicago Bears in one of the rainiest games I've ever seen, especially at the end. And they did lose to the Bears on their first game of the season. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that a loss is not really something Daniel or I saw coming here. So we are definitely a bit disappointed in how all of that went down. But we are excited to kind of recap it with you and talk about maybe why we should freak out, why we shouldn't freak out, and go from there. So, Daniel, I don't know. You want to start high level? Should we freak out? Should we not? How are we feeling? I feel like I am back in freshman year of high school. No, we'll go sophomore year of high school. And I failed another geometry test, and I'm walking out of school, and I'm walking to my car, and I'm just moping around, and I'm sad because I prepared well. I thought I was going to do well. Expectations are high, but yet I know I failed, and I'm just sad boy. That's that's where my level of, of freak out, not freak out is at. Um, I do not think... I love, as I look at my notes, I see a ESPN notification rolling in going, worried after week one? <laughs> should 49ers be worried after week one? No, we should not be worried, is the answer. Um, was it a disappointing game? Absolutely. Uh, was there any reason to freak out and say everything we've thought was wrong? No, not at all. Uh, Debo Samuel had a good run. We know that the, the versatility is still there. He's down to do it. We still got the same Debo that we know and love. And as we said, Trey's working it in. Um, so Timmy and I worked on uh, our expectations over this last offseason podcast. And it was hard to... I didn't know there was going to be an absolute monsoon in Chicago. So that's hard to factor that into totally. our expectations. So Timmy, how much do you think that the rain truly... Excuse me, how much do you think the rain truly affected this game and our play? Oh, rain I mean rain like that changes everything. One of the one of the guys said it after the game. It might have been Trent Williams, I don't remember, but it was like we were in a situation where we needed to come back and it was you just could not have thrown the ball. I mean, you could barely see what was happening on TV. And so it was one of those situations where like, yeah, Trey didn't look good in that last drive, but I don't know how anyone could have. And so the weather may not have affected things at the beginning of the game. It probably was not why the 49 why the 49ers lost. It definitely stopped them from coming back. I think the I think it was over 100 yards in penalties probably has more to do with why the 49ers did lose that game, but it definitely stopped them from coming back because 
there were a few moments where Trey looked like he was he was on track to putting together a drive, but the fact that you can't see anything, I mean, that's going to stop you from from completing passes. And so that that I think was a big big factor of what was going on there is that it was just it was it's going to be impossible for any quarterback to come back, much less one who we knew was going to go through an adjustment period. So I agree with you, Daniel. I'm not freaking out about it. This is fairly similar to what happened in week one last year. We talked about how we were hoping to not see the 49ers kind of trickle away a lead like they did against the Lions. Really, the only difference is that the Bears were able to actually win this as opposed to the 49ers did put it together against the Lions. And probably the same exact thing would have happened if not for the rain. So I'm not freaking out. If you look around the league, a lot of teams that we expected to dominate didn't this week. There's no way all of them just suddenly became bad. Just kind of a sloppy week around the NFL. Teams are probably still adjusting to only having three preseason games. And then add in the fact that this just happens sometimes. I mean, the Green Bay Packers last year got shut out, I think, or 38-3 to or something like that against the New Orleans Saints to start uh, the 2021 season and went on to go 13-3 and and be the number one seed in the NFC before ultimately losing to the 49ers in the playoffs. But my point is that plenty of great teams lay an egg in week one. That happens. And so I think we need to look at this as that. I think we can throw it out because of week one sloppiness, because of the weather. If the team continues to struggle with penalties and Trey continues to kind of miss open guys like he did every once in a while, then I'm worried. But right now I'm just like, yeah, let's get home. Let's get George Kittle back and let's uh, let's move on to, to the next week. So there's some specific things in the game I definitely want to talk about. But I don't know, Daniel, high level. I feel like we're kind of on the same page of you can kind of throw this one out, right? Yeah, I think the only thing to really take away from this game, um, and by no means are we blaming it on the rain, but it does make it very challenging to play the game of football, especially throwing the ball by any means. So kind of the thing I'm walking away with this is hoping that and assuming that this lights, I was going to say lights a fire under the butt of all the 49ers players. But I think it's already there as we're starting the season. So I think it only ignites it hotter, whatever analogy you want to throw in there to say, like, they're starting off 0-1 now, where they were not at all expecting to. And so I think that might help them kick it into gear quicker, where they know, dang, we're already playing from the bottom tier, and we are not a bottom tier team. So we need to get it together faster, and I think that's going to help them. That's going to get a little more of an aggressive edge or – whatever it is for them. Um, I just know guys like Trent Williams and George Kittle are not stoked that they're 0-1 to start the year, especially playing the Chicago Bears. And so I see them really utilizing this. Uh, I feel like the Niners are a team where they they uh, are usually assumed to be the, the underdog in some ways um, because people are just dogging on them all the time. So I think that it actually could fuel them a little bit. Um, I just sure hope that's what it turns out to be. Yeah, and I think my big takeaway is is after last year's 49ers season, I will never write off a 49ers team under Kyle Shanahan again. I mean, that was a team where you probably listened to at least some of this podcast. I, we have a very loyal following, and you know I was done. I was out on this team. I was like, let's fire John Lynch. Let's do this. Like, this is terrible. And then we went on to go on to have one of my favorite 49ers seasons ever and almost win the NFC Championship. And so... Because of that, I'm pretty hesitant to throw, to really make any decisions right now. 
There yeah. are a, a few specific stat lines that that intrigued me. The, the first thing is we should talk about a couple a couple things that happened on game day. Ty Davis Price was a healthy scratch, I believe. Did not as well did as Danny play. Gray. As well as Danny Gray, both, and both of the rookies. Yeah, George Kittle was out with this groin injury. Sounds like there's a chance he might be back next week for Sunday Night Football, but we're not. Not or is it Sunday Night Football next week? To no, one o'clock. One o'clock. My bad. Sunday Night Football is the next week, but sounds like he will hopefully be back against Seattle. He has a chance. This was just a let's let him get healthy so that he can start the season on the right note. Just a bummer of an injury there. Uh, coming out of the game, I think Elijah Mitchell has a knee injury that he, he is dealing with, and no one seems to know many details about that yet. But he was that seen. Could mean... He was seen leaving the facility wearing a brace on his right leg, but no crutches. Yeah, but it sounded like he was not bending his knee very much. But I did hear someone yeah. say the play that he was supposed to injure his knee. He did come back into the game after that, um, and a couple of different things uh. in terms of how our offense was used that I that I want to talk about too. Daniel, I'm curious if you know this. Do you know who the 49ers leading receiver was yesterday? In targets or receptions? Receptions and yards. And uh yeah, yeah receptions. It was Jawan Jennings. Yes, it was. Jawan Jennings, third year wide receiver, had four receptions for 62 yards, which was the most of the 49ers yesterday, which I mean, I we we've talked about this. We like Jawan Jennings, but I I thought the offense might go a little bit away from him and into more of a deep passing game. He looked great. He looked the best I've I've seen him. I thought, great great game for Jawan Jennings. He also had six targets. So, if you're, I would I would take a look at Jawan Jennings in some fantasy leagues if I were you people. But this this might just be more of a fluke in a bad weather game. You want to use one of your bigger bodied guys, but yeah. Yeah, I'm a little frustrated because Debo Samuel had eight targets and two receptions. For yeah. 14 yards. I don't know if that's on Debo, if the targets were just really contested, because, I mean, you're going to put your best cover guys on Debo. But, yeah. Some of them were, but also, I one of them was an absolute drop. It was supposed to be more of a, even a, just a shuttle pass. But uh, totally, I was upset with just seeing that stat line, even if it was him being truly contested. That's a bummer. Yeah. That's part of why I mean, the ball was we wet. were not. Debo was out there talking about how it's so much heavier. Or was it Debo? Someone was talking about how the ball is so much heavier after um, – after that kind of rain. So maybe we yeah. should have been doing the Bill Belichick dip the ball in the barrel of water every game, every day in practice thing. I don't know. I don't wow. know if we were doing that. But <laughs> probably not. Well, we didn't yeah. I don't know if and, we had and time it's to worth noting that. drops are drops are kind of a lo- a hard a hard stat to judge. Like if you look at who led the NFL in drops last season, it's like Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel. It's like all the guys who lead the NFL in drops are also the guys who are like the best receivers in the NFL because they're getting targeted the most. They're getting the most contested targets. All those things. So drops yeah. are an are an iffy stat. But yes, two two receptions on six targets is not what you want to see for Debo. Brandon Ayuk also had two receptions, but only on two targets. He also went for forty yards. Ray Ray McLeod had one uh, twenty yard one t- reception for twenty yards. So Debo only had fourteen yards on those two receptions as well. He definitely. Uh, and I, I think this is probably due to the nature of how teams are going to defend him as the 49ers' number one receiver right now, but definitely was not his best game from a receiving perspective. Jawan Jennings, I'm I'm super excited about after this week, and Brandon Ayuk, I think, flashed a little bit of what we've expected to see from him, but not maybe the level we were really hoping for. I want to ask you the same question, Daniel, but I want to ask about rushing. Who was the 49ers' leading rusher yesterday? In attempts or yards... Both. 
<laughs> Both correct. None other than Trey Lance. Yeah, Trey so. Lance led the 49ers 13 rushes yesterday for 54 yards. His longest rush was for 13 yards. I, I'll be honest, I thought he looked real good running, and I, I, I thought he didn't look too too quick to tuck and run, but on some of those last drives, he had a couple first downs where he scrambled. He knew when to slide. He definitely took more hits than I was hoping, but yeah. a lot better than what we saw last season where he was – he was pretty unwilling to slide and, and trying to use his size to, to kind of power through guys. And I was I was glad to see he wasn't doing that this year. Did but, he give you a little bit of Russell Wilson vibes when he was scrambling? Yeah, I, I see that. You mean just kind of being shifty and looking like he was being smart with his scrambles? Elaborate on that. Yeah, yeah you pretty much described it because he's not – like I, I differ – to me, Russell Wilson is not a rushing or a running quarterback. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, uh, probably Jalen Hurts, and even Josh Allen. Those guys are rushing or running quarterbacks to me where they do it a lot every game. You can count on it, even if it's a scramble, even if it's not. Like They will have quarterback runs organized. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes is the definition of a scrambling quarterback. He's not as much of a rushing guy, yeah, but he'll scramble. Great, well, Patrick Mahomes is just the definition of a quarterback, really. Yeah, so... Um, Russell Wilson is always that medium ground to me where he does have a few designed quarterback runs, but he's also really good at scrambling and turning it into a run. And I I felt like that was what Trey Lance looked like yesterday was more of I'm going to scramble and, you know, I'm not just scrambling as long as I can and throwing the ball out of bounds or just to not lose yardage, but he was able to truly get some yardage. Uh, His longest one was 13. So, you know, getting first down and more, which is which is great. Uh, not everybody can do that, right, Peyton Manning? Yeah, it is a it is a different kind of quarterbacking. But I I actually think Josh Allen is the guy I kind of think about the most when I see Trey run. And those obviously it's a comparison you hear a lot coming from a smaller school, a guy who's really drafted on the physical tools and and more of a developmental play. That was Josh Allen. That was Trey. That was how people view Trey Lance. I think there's a lot of similarities between those guys, but I think of it similarly. In, but I was happy to see that last season, Trey reminded me of Josh Allen, where Josh Allen looks like a maniac when he runs the football. Cannon. Josh Allen. Josh Allen's an incredible quarterback, but I'm always worried he's going to die. Like, if he was my quarterback, I'd be so scared he's going to get injured because he's just running into guys. He's trying to truck people. When he was younger, he would try to hurdle guys. Like, Josh Allen is just... All out, downfield, do whatever it takes to win. That's what Trey looked like last season. Like, I'm going to use my size. I'm going to crush people. Obviously, you want your quarterback to look like Josh Allen. So that's not what I'm saying. But I was happy to see that this year on these 13 rushes, Trey looked a little more cognizant of what he was trying to do and taking care of himself on those rushes. Because he rushed a lot last year in, like, his one of two starts. And he came out with a knee injury in his first start where he rushed a bunch. So... I'm you excited to, to see. There. Yeah, I'm excited to see that he's going to use his legs, and I'm really excited to see that it seems like he's going to be smart in how he uses his legs. That was great to see. Yeah. Next up on the 49ers leading rushers table, also I think really important to talk about was Debo Samuel. I don't think we expected Debo to be the 49ers. I mean, if he was 
the second biggest non-quarterback rusher. Maybe Elijah Mitchell's injury played into that, but that was happening before too. I mean, Debo, we gave Debo eight carries. He got 52 yards, averaged six and a half yards a carry, and then he had that one touchdown, which was a nice, nice touchdown, which you love to see. But I don't know that either of us was really expecting Debo to get that amount of use in the run game this early on, especially after all the drama that that was part of the contract disputes. I think this pretty much settles that that was just a negotiation tactic. But I don't think the 49ers wanted Debo to be used in the ground game this much. Maybe they did, but but I don't know. I was not expecting that. Daniel, what did what did you think when you saw that? I think the rain played a huge role in that. Uh, obviously, they want to use Debo, and I think part of part of why we saw him get so many attempts um, is because he got the same amount of targets, but just wasn't able to do anything with them. And you want to put the ball in Debo's hands. Um, he's arguably the best player, one of the best players on the field. So let's get this guy the ball. And if catching it is a hard, hard thing to do right now because of the rain, because they're contested, because of drops, whatever, okay, this guy can rush. Let's hand him the ball. Let's just put the ball in this dude's hands and see what he can do with it because we know it's good things. So I think seeing eight attempts is a little surprising, but also seeing, I think, it was working early on, and so they said, hey, like this might be what we have to do this game. Um, Kyle has said in, in many interviews, you know, there, I think he said like 50% of games, they go in with a plan, and then there's something, an injury happens, it's not working, and they have to shift. Coaching, Everybody's got NFL a plan team, until they get punched in the face. Right? And sometimes you get punched in the face real early, and you got to shift. you got to switch up your plan, right? So I'm not too surprised about it. I think it's cool. I like that we're seeing this many attempts from him, especially getting some good yardage and a touchdown off of them. Um, I really don't like seeing the eight targets and two receptions. I really don't like it. But um, can I throw out just a, a few, a list of a few highlights and a few lowlights of the game for us? Yeah, I do want to talk at some point. I actually just saw this, but it leads into something I wanted to chat about. Nick Wagner on Twitter uh, one of, who covers the 49ers for ESPN, just put out some pass block win rate numbers for the 49ers O-line. So I want to make sure to chat mm. through that. I don't know if you'd rather do that now or uh, let's, after Let's highlights. do that. Let's do that, and I'll do the highlights before we get to uh, next game. I'll end our Perfect. game breakdown with just a few And we got to make sure we chat a little defense, too, because there was a guy who was maybe the star of the defense who I know you're going to want to uh, talk about. That's called a teaser, folks. But Part yeah. of the highlights, baby. But, yeah, so... Uh, thank you, Nick Wagner. He tweeted this out 12 minutes ago, so very kind of him to put that out while we record. So, Daniel, in pass block win rate, which 49ers offensive lineman do you think finished top? Also, this bit might be getting old where I ask you questions, but I'm going to ask you anyways. <laughs> um, I just have to say Trent Williams, hoping that it's Trent Williams, even if I know it's not. But that's just the right nope. answer always. Top in the 49ers in pass rush win rate. Spencer Burford, our rookie, yep. playing right guard, he finished with 96.2% pass rush win rate, which was 15th best among all guards in the NFL. So it's pretty solid right there. Aaron Banks, 80.8%, 55th of 61 guards. Oof. And then 
Center, Jake Brendel, 92%, 20th of 30 centers. Trent Williams, 88.5%, 36th of 61 tackles. And then Mike McGlinchey, 84.6%, 41st. Now, Trent Williams, we don't need to be worried about. And some of these numbers are affected by the fact that the best players are going to be matched up against Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey, the pass rushers, the guys out on the edge. But I think that it's interesting when you look at the comparison by position. So Burford, I think, just continues to impress, and I'm, I'm happy with him. Aaron Banks, I think uh, we probably expected this a little, but, but kind of disappointing. Mike McGlinchey is just, is just still getting healthy, and so I, hopefully that can happen. But it was a pretty serious quad injury he had, and so I expected, and he was struggling before that anyway of maintaining the right weight and just figuring out how to, how to pass protect it the same way. He can, he can, he's a great run blocker, and he's always been trying to transfer that over. Jake Brendel, I think, did good. And you know what? If he's communicating well with Trey like that, I'm happy with the 20th of 30 centers, but hopefully that number can get up. Williams, like I said, I'm not worried about. So I guess my takeaway are, is I'm impressed by Burford, super, super happy just with everything that's happened with Burford, and I'm very, very worried about Banks and McGlinchey. And I think, obviously, you know, being worried about Banks makes sense. Um, a lot of us probably don't want to be worried about McGlinchey, but I think you got to be a little bit. You've got to have some awareness there that, you know, his injuries, he has struggled. Um, last season, was was it last season that was his worst season? Or is that two seasons ago? Two seasons ago, and then last season he missed most of the, of yes, the season thank you. With, um, with that quad tear. Yeah, he, he was. He talked about how two seasons ago was the worst season of his career. He was open about that, and I appreciated his openness. And then being injured last year, you know, threw a wrench in his plans to make it a lot better. And I think he was better the time he was out there. But, you know, his mic was great, but maybe his time is going to be short if injuries or his his lack of, of play or whatever it is for him. Like, he, he is someone to monitor for sure. Um, I would absolutely not sound the alarm for Aaron Banks, but like the spotlight is on him um, as yeah. left guard. Can, like, can you hang? Um, not you know like what? Jason we have Poe is uh, on that. Jason Poe is on that practice squad getting better every day. Yeah. Do we think is Poe next in line or I don't even know where McKivitz plays. I think Brunskill yeah, maybe, would probably maybe be the Moore. next in line. Brunskill, uh, I think, is we're more likely to probably or Brunskill and Moore, or even those guys, I think, are more likely to hop in from a glinchy while he recovers. Poe, I think, is the guy who is like Poe is the guy I think is best. Po- Let me put it this way: I don't think Poe is the backup, but Poe is the guy who I think is best positioned to like beat out Banks because he's the rookie. He's the one who's getting better and better every day, you know. And so that's why I think like if Banks gets injured, I don't know if I expect the team to go to Poe. But Poe is the guy that in a year from now may just win that job straight out, you know? Yeah, I gotta look at uh I gotta look at snaps at each position and I wanna see who came in for Banks, because I don't think he played hundred percent of snaps. Um so I wanna he definitely come in and may look. have. Did they really? I thought some especially in the rain game, I figured they would give some of the guys a break here and there, but he totally could have, and so I guess let me just real quick pull up our depth chart, but that doesn't always give us a true answer to who's next in line. You know, the paper doesn't always. Of course, there's no one behind Aaron Banks for left guard on our depth chart. Uh, Colton McKivitz. That's good. 
is that's behind always Trent where you want to be, right? <laughs> right, right. Dak Prescott, no backup quarterbacks for a while. Uh, yeah, Dak Prescott. Oh, we got to talk. We actually need to talk about Dak Prescott at some point. Six to eight weeks, he's out for that hand surgery. Um, Colton McKivitz is behind Trent Williams for left tackle. No one behind Banks. Um, Brunskill is now our backup center. Uh, Blake Hans is behind him. Spencer Burford. Aaron, and then Aaron Banks also... did play a hundred percent of snaps yesterday. He did. Did all the O line? As I think is standard for offensive linemen. I was just surprised that they all got a hundred percent of snaps. So Jalen Moore is back at that right tackle. How people handle that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so I really don't know is... what they would do. Yeah, but I will say the 49ers have been able to scheme around and work around poor offensive line play before, especially at some of those guard spots. Cough, cough, Daniel Brunskill. But So I don't think it's something we need to be the most worried about, but it's something to keep an eye on. I'm more concerned about McGlinchey, and I'm, I'm concerned yep. about McGlinchey's long-term potential and future as well, which is a bummer with a guy who was at one point one of the best run blockers in football, but has just kind of lost his confidence I think and, and hopefully he can get back to that but it wouldn't shock me if next season the 49ers are drafting or trading for or bringing someone in in free agency to fill that right tackle spot just kind of file that away in your things to keep an eye on for the 2023 offseason but the nice thing is we don't have to think about that yet because it's still the 2022 season and it's week one so let's not even talk about the offseason Daniel let's hear these highlights yeah just uh I think a highlight is seeing Trey Lance get 13 rushing attempts. I think that's awesome. I think the fact that he has the ability to do that, the ability to scramble or run, just another another facet to this offensive game that we have, which is awesome because we did not have that with Jimmy. So we're just adding another piece to this, this arsenal. Um, yeah, fantasy football players, Trey Lance is going to be just fine. If he's running the ball 13 times a game, you're going to love having him on your team. Uh, Trey Lance, low light. I get there was rain, but 13 for 28. That is not even 50% completion. Zero touchdowns, one interception, two sacks. He and the, <laughs> one, the one that hangs in my mind, Daniel, is the incomplete pass, the overthrow of Kyle Juszczyk on, I think it was fourth and eight, on the, not the, fir- the first 49ers drive that could have potentially mounted a comeback. They had another one later. But just a complete overthrow of a, of a wide-open use check who could have, could have easily hauled it in for a first down. I don't even think it's Lance's fault with the rain and with the weather and all those things, but I will say that that looked bad. And he probably couldn't see anything, and the ball's wet and all of yeah. that, but that is a clip that is going to play again and again and again because it was just a complete yeah, overthrow of a wide-open guy who could have easily converted for a first. I think there's a lot of grace needed in that moment, but uh, it definitely reminded me of a former quarterback who constantly threw over the heads of receivers.